Hi, I'm Jo Rochelle, and this is Girl Wonder, a thoughtful and relaxing podcast that analyzes comics on Webtoon. If you want to dive deep into theories and relive some of the biggest moments in your favorite Webtoons, then you're absolutely in the right place. Sit back, relax, and we'll get started. Today on the podcast, we are discussing episodes 244, 245, and 246 of Lore Olympus by Rachel Smythe. There is so much to talk about, but one thing I can't wait to discuss with you is Persephone full of wrath, paying loose a little visit. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you about ways to support Lore Olympus. One of the ways you can do that is going to your local Barnes & Noble and buying Lore Olympus merch or buying a Lore Olympus printed graphic novel. Like you can tangibly hold Lore Olympus in your hands. You can put it on your shelf with your other books and it's lovely up there, I promise. At my Barnes Noble, I was able to get a Lore Olympus gift card. Like I don't need a gift card to Barnes Noble, but I got one <laughs> with Lore Olympus on it. I also got a tote bag with Persephone and Hades on it, which I can't wait to bring to the San Diego Comic-Con. So get your merch. Go to loreolympusbooks.com if you want to order those books. The link is in the description box of this podcast episode. And if you find yourself enjoying this podcast and want early access to episodes breaking down, discussing, and theorizing about Lore Olympus, you can do that by joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash girlwonder. It's $1 a month, and the minute I'm done with an episode, I post it over there. So if you're interested in that, the link is also in the description box. And now our top cities that have listened to this podcast the most in the last seven days are Columbus, Santa Ana, Royal Oak, New Milford, Port Republic, Denver, and Milwaukee. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. All right, let's get into it. Lore Olympus, episode 244, Sour Grapes, part three. We continue with Persephone holding the sweet, precious baby grape, also known as Dionysus. She's incredibly skeptical and nervous about Zeus's plan to just drop the baby off on Mount Nisa. So Persephone says, you have a habit of dumping folks off in the mortal realm. Persephone is not wrong. There is proof. And I have the receipts. So if we go back in Laura Olympus history for a bit, we'll see in episode 96, which is also called Mama... Back when Persephone was a child, Zeus showed up wanting to hide another nymph in the mortal realm. Demeter said no. She said, I told you last time it was the last time. And she yelled at him at the top of her lungs to stop cheating on Hera. But shortly after, Demeter wakes up and Zeus has set her crops on fire. And the trees are on fire. Everything's on fire. He was a big bully. So no wonder Persephone tells him you have a habit of dumping folks off in the mortal realm. Zeus shrugs and tells Persephone he checked with those nymphs and it's all cool. And then Persephone's like, you're a liar. Apparently, there haven't been nymphs on Mount Nisa for years. So I don't know where he was planning on dropping poor Dionysus off to. Like, where was he going to put the baby? Like, on a hill and just run away? Like, I don't understand. Did he expect mortals to raise this baby? I'm just, I'm trying to understand what, what Zeus's plan was here. Well, now Persephone has a plan of her own. She says she's taking Dionysus. And Zeus looks at her, and for a second, you think he's going to protest, but then he says, whatever. The way he let that go so fast. The man's got a lot of kids, but he just let that go a little too quickly for my taste. <laughs> I mean, he was truly in character. I'm just mad at him. 
Sam Bam Cunningham commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, Zeus failed that vibe check. Yeah, he absolutely did. The vibes were not good. Persephone sniffed that out right away. So the last thing Zeus says before he leaves is, you married the god of wealth and this is how you live? And then he laughs and goes, that's wild. Can we talk about their brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship? Because I do think Persephone has developed a family relationship with Zeus. I see it. It feels different than it used to feel. Now that they're married and back when they were trying to save Hades together, I felt like there was some bonding happening in the way that like Hades can admit that that's his brother and also he's incompetent and also he's unjust and also he's a cheater. You know, Hades can admit all those things, but at the end of the day, Zeus is still his brother. I'm starting to feel like Persephone is getting to a place where she can admit all the bad things about him as well. But at the end of the day, that's her brother-in-law and she's going to have to be in touch with him because that's family now. Do you get that sense at all? I, I feel that like seeping through the comics sometimes like, oh, wow, these two aren't strangers to each other. Persephone's not just some girl to him. It was the way that he teased her about you married the god of wealth, his brother, and this is how you live. That's wild. It just feels a little bit like a brother teasing a sister. Am I the only one who feels this way? <laughs> Maybe I'm totally off about this, but I started to get the sense that like, oh, they're family now. And I think I like that. I like a complicated family dynamic. So we go back to the present where Hades is and he's like holding the baby and thinking, okay, Okay, cool. We have a baby now. And you want to raise a baby with me. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. I mean, the panel where Persephone's smiling at him and affirming him and he's kind of squinting his eyes at her cracked me up <laughs> because this is weird. Even for gods, even for immortals, this is weird, but okay, we're going with it. <laughs> but now that it's out in the open, Persephone feels bad, as she should. She made a huge life decision without Hades even being there for it or consulting with him or anything like that. And she's wondering why he isn't angry at her. And so a part of me, I love Persephone to the ends of the earth. I love her, but I'm also happy that she felt bad about this because she was not in the right here. Hades was going through it when he didn't know what was going on. If you listen to previous podcast episodes, my husband and I were talking about how it would just be so traumatic to have your wedding day and your wedding night and then the next day your wife's like, peace, <laughs> she's just gone. You don't know where she is. You don't know what's happening. And you're wondering if it's you. Is it like this is her way of breaking up with you? Like what is happening? Your brain will just go to some dark places when you can't hear back from your loved one. It just does. Now we know the truth. Now we know that Persephone was sitting in her apartment all that time with a baby trying to figure out how to explain it to her husband. So... They still need to discuss what happened, and Hades has the idea of going to get some fast food. And as they're doing that, Persephone reveals that she saw Hades, like little child Hades during the sleep dive. I now feel so silly for wondering if that wasn't Hades, because she wasn't saying Hades back when she was doing the sleep dive. So we were theorizing over here about who was that child? If it wasn't Hades, then who could it have been? It was Hades. It was child Hades. I read too much into it. And that just comes with the territory of reading a comic. Sometimes your theories are going to be wrong. It's good though that we get this clarification that Persephone thinks the interloper is the one that brought her into Hades' memories. 
And it's cool to know that seeing child Hades is what inspired her to keep Dionysus. She was like, Dionysus looked so much like you with the little white hair. I really like knowing that was a motivation for her. So Hades says, if you want to confiscate Zeus's baby because he's incompetent, I will support you. What a sentence. That's one of my favorite sentences of this episode. Get you a man who helps you take care of his brother's baby because his brother's incompetent. (laughs) So Hades and Persephone also talk about smoothing out the dream dive process. He talks about aftercare. Like they have no idea what the doctor injected Persephone with. They just were going with the flow and it was dangerous what what she did. So they're trying to figure out how to smooth this out and figure out this process so it can be less dangerous in the future. While they're talking, Persephone's kind of down on herself, like she tends to be. She asks, what good am I? And I love how Hades, he knows the right thing to say at these moments. And this time he says, in the past 24 hours alone, you've hired three new judges, encountered the interloper, and delivered a baby from a thigh. Hades really is winning with the dialogue this episode for me. (laughs) What inspiring, encouraging words So many good words of affirmations here. I definitely think that's a talent of his, cheering his wife up, bolstering her with words of affirmation. He does it so eloquently and beautifully every time. And then Ares, god of war, comes in and sees the baby. And he says, wow, the two of you didn't waste any time. Because of course Ares had to say something snide like that. (laughs) He just had to. It's not Ares if he's not teasing them a bit. It was cute to see him meet his little brother, Dionysus, and Ares holding him. It was really adorable. And Ares is here, though, to tell Hades that they can't find Thanatos. Like, we don't know where Thanatos is. And when I first read this, I'm like, I'm starting to get seriously concerned here now. (laughs) I'm concerned. Where are you, Thanatos? I actually don't want anything to happen to you. He definitely got me worried. Jessica988 commented on Ares holding his little brother Dionysus and said... Aries is just used to having new siblings left and right. He's just like, okay, cool. Anyways, LMAO. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty funny how he just accepted that his dad had another child. Because when is his dad not having a child? <laughs> it's just a regular, degular thing. If you're a child of Zeus, you're going to meet other children of Zeus. There's a lot of them. But Hades is also concerned about Thanatos. So he decides he wants to go to the mortal realm He asks Persephone if she would like to join. She says, no, she's going to stay back for this one. And he kisses Persephone goodbye. I love a kiss between them. It's always so nice to see. And did you see Ares roll his eyes big time when they kissed? Like he couldn't even look at it. (laughs) He's like, why is this happening? (laughs) So dramatic. Once Hades is gone, Persephone does something I did not expect her to do. She pulls up Luce's resume And she says out loud to herself, surely we can carve out five minutes to catch up with an old acquaintance. Oh, Luce, you're in trouble. (laughs) I liked that cliffhanger though for the episode. Ian Pendleton commented on this episode of Webtoon and said, personally, I don't think Persephone is going to be that wrathful towards Luce once she finds out what's going on. Luce isn't outright hostile like Mint was. She's just clueless. She'll probably give Luce a good scare just to get her point across, but I don't see Persephone turning her into crabgrass afterwards like Thetis wanted. I think that's an interesting comment. I agree with some parts of it, and I have other ideas about other parts of it. So I think it's important to note that Thetis 
definitely pushed loose to act the way she did recently in Hades' office, right? Like she encouraged her, she egged her on. She said, go for it, girl. Nothing bad's going to happen to you, (laughs) right? But at the same time, I don't agree with the point of Luce being just clueless. I don't think she's clueless. I think she knew exactly what she was doing with that married man that day. She knew what her intentions were, and she knew he was a newlywed. So clueless means you don't know these things. (laughs) So I disagree with that part, but I also agree with the part where Ian Pendleton said that she's not outright hostile like Minth. Yeah, Minth was was something else. (laughs) We could do an entire podcast episode featuring hostile things said by Minth. We really could. Let me know if you want that. I, I would make that for you. I'd make a YouTube video for you with like the most cutting dialogue we could find from Minth, where she's dragging people, where she's delivering sass, and where she's being pretty hostile. I don't know if anyone would want that, but I would make it if people asked. While Ian Pendleton's comment felt like, okay, Persephone's going to show mercy to poor Clueless Luce, Moonstone94 had the opposite opinion. They commented on this episode of the Webtoon and said, Luce is definitely not the brightest bulb in the shed, and she's probably going to say something stupid and get herself turned into crabgrass. <laughs> she might try to show Persephone the DMs too, just to one-up her and then get turned into a weed. Well, when we come back from this short musical interlude, we are talking about what happens in Luce's apartment. It is Persephone versus Luce. Round one. Here we go. We'll be right back. Episode 243 of Lore Olympus is called Homewrecker. Dictionary.com defines a homewrecker as a person who disrupts or destroys the harmony of a marriage or long-term relationship by having an affair with one of the partners. So Luce, our little wannabe homewrecker, I suppose, wakes up to a cute little yellow baby chick in her bed, but she doesn't think it's that cute. Like, she's not giving us Disney princess energy. She's not enjoying a random animal in her room waking her up. She's kind of like, Ack, how did this get here? She comically heads further into her apartment where she finds snakes. She finds pigs. She finds deer, or at least what look like deer. Some of these look demonic. I'm not going to lie. Like, they're possessed. (laughs) A bunch of animals is basically what she finds. Amongst them, a black two-headed pony horse thing with a ribbon wrapped around its neck. And I was like, wow, that seems like the perfect pet for Persephone. And Persephone thinks so too. She says her name is Bo. She's a wedding gift from my husband. I love how this comic explores so much duality with Persephone. Think of all of the panels of her looking at herself in the mirror or fighting back her wrath and seeing two Persephones in one panel together, one with red eyes, one without. I mean, we've seen that multiple, multiple times. And so it makes sense that she would have a two-headed pet. It just, it makes sense. Kikoya commented on this episode of the Webtoon and said, Ugh, the metaphor with the two-headed horsey thingy is amazing. Shows how Purse can switch her persona like that. So awesome. 
I'm happy to see that in the comments reflected as well because it was just the first thing I thought of when I saw the two-headed pet. It was awesome. So we're with Persephone. Her eyes are not normal. They are wrathful red, a color we've gotten used to over the course of this comic. You know what? I would buy that lipstick in a heartbeat. Wrathful red. Persephone wrathful red and core pink. I would buy those. Just throwing it out there. Can we also talk about her outfit? Would also buy. <laughs> 10 out of 10. 12 out of 10. Would buy. She's got her hair slicked back. She's wearing all black. It's an off-the-shoulder dress. She's got gloves. I love it. I think she looks so classy. She looks like the queen of the underworld that she is. Also, Persephone, your pink knife has returned. That's the same knife I think she used to deliver Dionysus with. So that knife is just handy. She loves a pink knife. <laughs> In one of the panels, did any of you notice the animals kind of pecking at loose? I thought that was such an interesting detail. Like Persephone is influencing these animals to do her bidding. I mean, later in the scene, when she leaves, she tells them to come with her and they all listen. I think that's pretty incredible. You know, she is the goddess of spring. You know, in the mortal realm, there are lots of animals there. And the underworld obeys her to an extent as well. So she's powerful. I don't know what Luce thought she was doing when she, when she made the mistake that she made. It's just like, what were you thinking, Luce? You weren't thinking at all. Luce says to Persephone, Persephone, you're reasonable. This isn't you. We can talk this out. I mean, this isn't you. I, uh, I can't agree with that, Luce. I mean, Eris blessed her with wrath. And in a few short minutes, I am going to talk about the time that she did that thing to Minth, as in turned Minth into a mint plant. This kind of is right up Persephone's alley. We've seen this before. And Persephone's just not having it. She tells Luce, I'm still on the topic of my husband and how you tried to instigate some sort of affair with him the other day. And so Luce offers to show Persephone the messages, the messages, the messages, the messages, the DMs that she's been mentioning all this time. Of course, my nosy self wants to see them, but Persephone says, I don't give a flying fury about whatever stale ass bread exchange you had with him five years ago. See, that is great for you, Persephone. You run with that, but I care. I want to see the stale ass bread exchange from five years ago. I want to know if it was Kronos or if it was Hades, because a lot of us readers, a lot of us audience members were debating whether it could have been Hades five years ago or if it was Kronos in Hades' body and like in Hades' accounts, I guess, social media accounts, messaging loose. I don't know. And if it was Hades, I need to see exactly what these messages said, because I know he was still hung up on Persephone all that time. So I want to see, like, did she misinterpret something? Are there even any messages? Was it Apollo? I could go on forever with a bunch of theories. I want to see them, Persephone. Let me see them. <laughs> Luz goes on to say, we had a connection and I wanted to see if there was something there. <sighs> Girl, be quiet before Persephone turns you into a salad. I mean, you don't know how close you are to becoming a Caesar chicken salad. Like that could just be you. And that's your life. And you just have to hope nobody eats you and you stay there and you remember everything and you feel everything. And you just hope that she takes care of you afterward and doesn't feed you to one of the animals in your apartment. Like that's what you can hope for right now. Don't keep going on about how you had a connection with her husband. Like think this through. <laughs> You're scared. Someone trespassed into your home because you hit on their husband. 
don't tell them that you have a connection with her husband and just wanted to see if something was there. I mean, I guess what I'm hearing is that Luce is a classic narcissist. She thinks her point of view is like justifiable in some way here. It's not. What you need to be doing is getting on your hands and knees and begging. I wonder what would happen if she did that and it was genuine. I wonder if Persephone would snap out of it and her wrathful red eyes would, you know, go away. I'm curious about that. Or is she just too far gone at this point? Persephone says, interesting, but here's where I'm on Struggle Street with your claim. (laughs) I had to laugh. Struggle Street. (laughs) She goes on to say, you've had more years than my right hand has fingers to investigate this so-called connection. And yet the day after our wedding is when you decide that your feelings must be known. Yeah. I mean, Luce was wrong for that. And Persephone calls her a clout chaser who wants a trophy. And when she started saying stuff like that, like that's not our typical Persephone that we encounter, right? But I can't agree with Luce and say, oh, what happened to Persephone? This is so not her. Because this is eerily similar to when she turned Minth into a plant. Like I was having war flashbacks (laughs) to her going, why are you running? I remember reading episode 152, Green Thumb. And thinking that Persephone is a force to be reckoned with and someone to be terrified of. I mean, the way that she was striking poses in episode 152, like she looked like a model. She's doing the same things here. Look at these panels. Tell me she doesn't look like a beautiful model. A scary one, but very beautiful. She is striking pose after pose. She knows all of her angles. Back in the Green Thumb episode when she turned Minth, Persephone said, You sure like to talk. Perhaps it would be better if you didn't have a mouth. I mean, come on. Come on. This is the same Persephone. This is Persephone. So, Luce, you are absolutely wrong when you say this isn't you. It's just a side of Persephone you have not seen before. But we have. She asks Persephone if she's going to kill her. I think she started to understand, like, you're not getting out of here. (laughs) Maybe I won't get out of here alive. But Persephone says, no, I don't have time for the paperwork. But it's an option, it seems like, huh? It looks like it was an option, and she did think about killing you. And then she was like, no, it would not be worth it. Drake Clones commented on this episode of the Webtoon and said, I think that's scarier than saying yes. Thundercrash commented and said, I mean, it fits. When one digs into the myths and history Mortals were far more afraid of Persephone than they were of Hades, and there's hints that she predates him by a large margin. She is a scary lady when she wants to be. Absolutely. So Persephone says, but since you decided to wreck my home, I thought I would wreck yours. Not gonna lie, that was so hard. Oh my gosh, Persephone. If anything, she's learned some restraint since that fateful day with Minth, because she did not lose control. She did not turn her into any kind of salad, plant, herb, dressing, relish, none of that. Luce made it out of this with her body intact. And that's a win for Luce today, (laughs) honestly. But now my question for you is this, do you think it's over with Luce or will she show up again in the story? Like this could be her final chapter and she's just gone. And we don't see Luce again because she stayed away from Persephone and tried to never make it onto Persephone's radar ever again. Or she doesn't take this threat seriously. 
you know, Persephone's mercy in this instance of like not killing her or not turning her into a dried up leaf could encourage Luce to go for Hades again or, you know, complain about Persephone or try to get justice for this situation. But if I were her, I would just count my losses. Like if the animals broke something in my apartment, you know, I'm going to call it a day. (laughs) I'm going to clean it up. I'm going to clean up their poop. I'm going to scrub down the floors and get some disinfectant out. I'll get some towels and some Clorox wipes and clean up and go right back to bed. Pretend this never happened. And if I saw Persephone walking down the street, I would walk right by her. I would pretend like I never even knew her and I would move on with my life. Meanwhile, in the mortal realm, Hades is looking for Thanatos, but what's weighing heavily on his mind is the child that's trapped with Kronos. We still don't know who that child deity is, but we do see while Hades is lost in thought, the little blue guy with a blanket over him. Once again, we have theorized about this little blue guy and I'm, I'm now starting to feel like the most common theory and the most obvious theory is probably the right answer and I should go with that because I've been up and down and all around the boulevard trying to come up with theories about who this little blue guy with the sheet with the little x's on the sheet you know who I'm talking about I've really tried to come up with who this is (laughs) but maybe the answer is just really obvious right in front of our faces so let's read some of the comments and what they've been saying about this little blue guy with the blanket Paulina commented and said In all caps, anyone notice the ghost kid next to Hades again? And then Bookwolf96 commented and said, It's one of the Oneroi, Epiales. I've had this idea about him for ages. Epiales is the Oneroi of nightmares until Hades and Persephone have their own daughter, Melano, who becomes goddess of nightmares. My guess is that this interloper is actually Melano and that Hades and Persephone adopt her. Now that they've already adopted Dionysus, it wouldn't be out of character for them to acquire another child by adoption. So I've definitely seen the Oneroi mentioned before as a possibility and Epiales. I've seen Melano mentioned before in these theories. We've talked about this on the podcast. What I think is so interesting about this theory is that, hey, they've already adopted one kid. They might adopt another. They might adopt a girl next. That's really interesting to me. I think I would really love that. Just personally, I've always had a heart for adoption. I hope to adopt a kid one day, and that would just be really, really nice. I would love that. Sorry Mom LOL commented and said, It's the Oneroi, I promise. He was having a stressful daydream and he appeared. He shows up when other people have nightmares too. True, we've seen him with Hera, we've seen him when Hades wakes up and he's scared. So I'm clinging desperately to this theory. I'm latching onto it. I'm done theorizing. I'm just going to believe that this is so and wait for confirmation. But if you're like, Oneroi, what are you even talking about? We've never seen a little blue Oneroi, or I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Please forgive me if I'm not. It's spelled O-N-E-I-R-O-I. And they were mentioned in Lore Olympus, episode 202, Between Life and Death. This was the episode when Morpheus first showed up to Zeus and Persephone and told them her father Hypnos had been missing for some time. Morpheus said, I cover dreams and nightmares with assistance from the Oneroi. And we see them and they are blue and there's two of them. So maybe we'll learn their names. Maybe one of them is Epiales. We'll just have to wait and see. But like I said before, this is the theory that I am going with. This is my final answer (laughs) to the question of who is the little blue child with the blanket over him because it's not little Hades. 
Ah, the little Hades. That's where most of my theories go wrong. <laughs> but like I said, final answer. It's the Oneroi. It's one of them. That is what I'm going with. So Ares notices, you know, that Hades is lost in thought and he's thinking really hard and he looks kind of down. And Ares says, you've got a young wife with a fat ass. The world's your oyster. And <laughs> what an Aries thing to say. I'm like, what? It just came out of your mouth? I love that Hades says, don't talk about my wife's ass. Besides, she's your aunt now. Tell him, Hades. <laughs> Put him in his place. <laughs> that is where he belongs. I don't think he cares, though. So Aries and Hades find Thanatos in a large vase. He is stuck. He needs to go to the bathroom. I hope it's number one, but it could be number two or a combination of both. And Ares breaks the vase with his head because he has a really hard head. And that was funny to me. I laughed so hard when I first read that. Long story short, the mortal Sisyphus put Thanatos there. Thanatos fell for a really simple trick and he's probably really embarrassed about it. <laughs> I was worried about you, Thanatos, so please be more careful next time. I didn't realize how much I cared about him until people were like, he's missing for multiple episodes. And then all of a sudden I'm concerned. So he needs to be careful with my heart. <laughs> you understand? So anyway, there's a moment where Hades asks Thanatos, do you think that I have the capacity to be a father? Love this moment. Once again, I love my family dynamics. I eat them right up. I love how complicated it can be. You know, that's the closest person to a son that he's ever had. He's known Thanatos since he was a itty bitty boy in the underworld. And yeah, there's definitely a parental thing going on between them. So Thanatos says, I mean, you bought me the sandwich. That seems paternal, I think. Yeah, <laughs> it does. And Hades is like, you're absolutely right. It was just really funny. That, was, that whole scenario had me cackling. It was great. So while they're walking around the mortal realm, the episode ends with Demeter showing up and asking if they can talk. Kiki1993 commented on this episode and said, please be a calm and rational discussion Please be a calm and rational discussion. Please be a calm and rational discussion. I mean, there's like two sides to Demeter. Sometimes she's calm and rational, and sometimes she's completely illogical and incredibly led by her emotions in that moment. You know, like when she did the intervention for her daughter, that was not rational and that was not calm. She was almost hysterical. So we also know that something is going on with Demeter. We are still asking the question, what happened in Attica? And we are dying to find out. So as we pray, get on our hands and knees and beg for a calm and rational discussion, we will be discussing more Laurel Olympus right after this short musical interlude. We'll be right back. Demeter asking Hades if she can talk to him. Hades really doesn't want to talk to her, and I don't blame him. They have a fraught history. So Demeter says, I can't get Persephone to speak with me. Could you please at least tell me how she is? I feel like this puts Hades in a really tough position as Demeter's son-in-law, which I don't even think she recognizes him as. Like, girl, that is your family now. That is your son-in-law. I wonder if there's a day where she'll call him son, ever, in their future. Right now, it seems unlikely. 
Hades ends up telling Demeter that Persephone is doing well, but she would be doing even better if her mother hadn't humiliated her. And when we cut to Persephone, she's looking at some jewelry, a brooch we've seen Demeter wear earlier in the comic, I believe. And we also see a panel where Persephone is in front of a sunny picture or a portrait of her and her mother when she was young. So it's young child Persephone in Demeter's arms, smiling. They're both smiling and looking content in a way we haven't seen them look with each other in a long time. And below that picture, that frame, we see Persephone, just half of her face. And it's funny, like she's wearing a crown in both, but like one picture is so happy and sunny. And in real life, she kind of looks dark and gloomy. And I love that. Rachel does that again in this episode, so I'll be sure to point that out when we get there. I want to applaud Hades for handling the situation with Demeter pretty well. He says all the things I would want him to say if I were Persephone, including things that Demeter just needed to hear and has refused to listen to. So then we see the text, meanwhile in Olympus at Hestia's lavish timeshare condo. (laughs) That must be why this episode's called Timeshare. This is where Artemis is. And Artemis and Hermes have a conversation. He walks in from the mortal realm wearing his mortal realm garb. And he is like bloody and disheveled and tired looking. And Artemis is like, wow, you look amazing. (laughs) She's like, you look so awesome. I love this. Their friendship is quickly becoming one of my favorites. How do you guys feel about them? I feel like each scene that they have together just makes me so happy. It's easy for them to get on the same page. So the subject of Apollo quickly comes up, especially after Hermes tells her, you know, you have a new little brother, Dionysus, and then she thinks about her twin brother, Apollo. So Hermes asks a pretty vulnerable question for him, which is, you know that twin connection thing? If one of you gets hurt, the other will feel it. He's worried about how he recently punched Apollo out, like maybe that hurt Artemis. Maybe she knows what he did. But Artemis does not have that twin connection thing with her brother. Thank goodness. I don't want her to be intrinsically connected to someone who did something so awful to Persephone. You know what I mean? However, Artemis is very intuitive. She can tell just from Hermes' face that he knows what Apollo did to Persephone. And she asks for him to confirm that, and he does. So she really confides in him as like a best friend. She asks what he thinks she should do. And Hermes doesn't just tell her like, well, you should do this or you should do that. He's basically saying to her in the scene that you're going to run into him again at some point. So it's either going to be on your terms because you went to him purposefully or you're going to run into him when you're not prepared. I thought that was a great response to her question. And that notion is going to come up again, too. Like, there's a lot of repetition in dialogue and imagery in this episode, and I'm living for it. I really enjoy that. Just in terms of, like, literary techniques, I enjoy the repetition of this episode. I also enjoyed Hermes asking her, do you want to get 15 different types of takeout and just really sloth out tonight? (laughs) Yes. My answer is yes. I want what they have, you guys. Buck Godot commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, Apollo, the brother you have. Hermes, the brother you deserve. Love that comment. Anime Chic 96 also commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, Dionysus, the little brother you were meant to have. (laughs) I feel like Artemis has gone through so much development over the course of this comic. And there were times when people were cold toward her, maybe even me included back in the day, 
when she was so oblivious to her brother and how she was harsh with Persephone and she wasn't the best roommate and friend at times. But as more truth has come to light, I think Artemis has developed quite a bit. I've loved seeing her journey. You hear that, Apollo? I'm rooting for your twin, but not for you. Because you have remained stagnant. The life has asked you again and again to repent, to face the consequences of your actions. You've been vain and narcissistic the entire time. And that's why you are stagnant. And that's why everybody hates you. Those are my words for Apollo. But yes, I love Hermes and Artemis. I love their friendship. And I do agree. It's like he's the brother she deserves. So we return to Hades who gets an angry call from who he describes as the old man from the sea. And there is a lot of yelling on the other side of the phone. And it's clear that Hades is getting an earful about what Persephone did to Luce, which was unleash a bunch of animals and scare the crap out of her. As Hades is listening to this on the phone, Persephone is just sitting at a desk, smiling, her eyes red, wrathful red. And here we see another panel where Persephone is seated in front of a picture. And this time, instead of a portrait of Demeter in Persephone, we see her wedding photo where she looks so cute. She's smiling brightly and she looks innocent and adorable. Yet in front of that picture is our Persephone, dread queen Persephone, wearing all black instead of her white wedding dress and her eyes are red and she looks like she could tear you apart. On Twitter, when I saw this picture, I was able to be like, whoa, the dichotomy that Rachel continually brings. Like, how many times have we seen Persephone look in a mirror and we see the duality of, you know, the two Persephones that are out there? I think there's Core and there's Persephone. Core is in that wedding photo, smiling away. Persephone is sitting at the desk, also smiling, but there's a terrifying edge to it, if that makes sense. So Hades asks, did you fill Luce's apartment with wild animals? And Persephone says, maybe, I've had a pretty busy day. And so Persephone's just sitting there, smiling with those red eyes. And then she looks completely surprised at something, and we don't see what at first. I'm telling you, when I first read this, I had no idea how Hades would react. No clue at all. I thought he might, like a tiny part of me thought he might be mad at Persephone for going to loose and like threatening her and scaring the crap out of her. Maybe he thought that was too far. Boy, oh boy, was I wrong. I just had no clue at all. I was a little scared he might be mad. What I was not prepared for was for him to be butt naked standing before her. <laughs> Raise your hand if you fumbled and dropped your phone in this moment <laughs> or like your hand shook a little out of surprise. <laughs> I know I can't be alone. The way I freaked out. <laughs> it was so funny. Kiana Laura commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, Hades loves the way Kor shows her wrath. Like he got naked faster than a banana being separated from its peel. And then Serenity Sen commented and said, he separated his banana from its peel too. I can't with you guys. I honestly can't. The lore of his fandom is so funny. Dominique Ellison commented in all caps, a quote from an earlier Lore Olympus episode. See if you can guess who said this. Did it ever cross your mind that a 50 foot tall scythe wielding goddess might be his flavor? That was an iconic quote all the way back in episode 126. And the being who said it was none other than Hermes, who was yelling that at Minth and Thanatos because of their stupid, stupid plan. Remember, they were trying to get Hades to turn against Persephone because she committed an act of wrath. Hermes was like, did you consider, did you even consider that maybe the king of the underworld 
would be into a wrathful goddess? Like, did that even cross your mind? (laughs) So this moment where Hades is instantly butt naked was one of the most shockingly funny moments in Laurel Olympus history for me. I'll never forget it. It was very funny. And then we slam cut to the next panel where they're post-coital and Hades' face as he holds Persephone in his arms after having sex is so hilarious. Look at his face there. <laughs> like satisfied, beyond belief, content, <laughs> very happy. This was not an issue for them in their marriage. It does not seem like it was an issue at all. After they've cooled down a bit, Hades remembers to tell Persephone that he saw Demeter in the mortal realm. And Persephone says, I'll have to talk to her eventually. The mortals still need spring. Remember how Artemis and Hermes were talking about what she should do when it comes to Apollo? It's either you're going to run into him at some point and you're not going to be prepared for that interaction or you're going to do it willingly. Persephone is in the same situation here with her mother. And that's what I was talking about when I mentioned the repetition of this episode, which I really enjoyed. It's like, either I'm going to do something about it and be active or I'm going to be passive and let it happen to me. Persephone chooses the former, active route. We cut to Chiron, Persephone's therapist, and a character I love. She looks at her phone and says, call me Atlas because that's a lot to hold up, which is such a clever, witty, and fun piece of dialogue right there. I love that. (laughs) Call me Atlas because that's a lot to hold up. We see what she's looking at on her phone and what she's referring to, which is a session request submission as soon as possible, for three hours with clients Demeter and Persephone. And that's how we end the episode. I am ready for some mother-daughter therapy. I've always really loved mother-daughter stories. I've watched Gilmore Girls a lot and enjoyed it. I've watched Ginny and Georgia on Netflix and enjoyed that too. The mother-daughter relationship is so fascinating and interesting and complex in so many families in real life. I love to see them in the stories that I read too. So count me as excited to see how Chiron faces these two. (laughs) Like, can she help them? Can they be helped? I think so. I think we're going to get a mini Demeter redemption arc. She's going to have to face some things in her past in order to move forward with her daughter in the present. I'm also excited because last time Persephone talked to Chiron, I feel like there were messages in there that I took away for my real life. So I can't wait. (laughs) Let's go to therapy. And that was it. That was our breakdown of episodes 244 through 246 of Lore Olympus by Rachel Smythe. And just as a friendly reminder, if you want exclusive perks to the podcast, if you want early access to podcast episodes, if you want to be able to vote on which webtoons I talk about, you can do that by joining my Patreon at patreon.com slash girlwonder. All right, let's wrap this up. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Wonder. We currently have no sponsors, so here's a shout out to a random listener instead. This week's shout out goes to Violet Witch 3 on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. New episodes of Girl Wonder are uploaded on Saturdays. I'm Joe Rochelle, and we'll talk again next week. Bye!